talk about comics and we are talking about comic books specifically two uh brothers are talking about comic books we grew up reading these comics we love them and now we are talking about them more with you uh we are also uh, comedians and performers i'm one of those brothers kevin hines and i'm the other one will hines same last name yeah that's how you know we're brothers it's one of the telltale signs Mm -hmm. the other is that we are both bald and we have similar speaking mannerisms Yes, it's hard to tell us apart on an audio format. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about a visual art form through that audio <laughs> format. We've made yeah. two mistakes right out of oh, the yeah. gate. Tons of mistakes. Mm-hmm. This podcast is a disaster. So uh, this and season we are talking about the comic book Justice League International. Yeah, and it's now officially called Justice League International with the issue because we're up to issue seven where they've changed the title from just Justice League to Justice League International. That's right. And uh, this is the incarnation of Justice League that came out. It started in the late 80s, and it's uh, it was the version of the Justice League where instead of all the A-list heroes like Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, uh, they had Batman and then a bunch of B-listers, C-listers, and it was a lot more comedically oriented and lighthearted, and we love it. Yeah, sort of the brainchild of Keith Giffen, uh, who was the plotter and breakdown artist. Uh, it was scripted by James DeMattis and penciled, at least in these initial issues, by... Uh, Kevin McGuire. Yeah, and this was a big hit comic, and we love it. We loved it when it came out, and we still love it. And so we're going over it, and we're doing issue seven today. That's right. Well, good. And good. Kevin, this issue is kind of wrapping a lot of stuff up. Yeah, this is wrapping up the Gray Man story that's been going on for a couple issues and was hinted at in the first or second issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's finally wrapping that up. The Gray Man comes back in a storyline we won't cover much later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's wrapping that up. It's becoming Justice League International. It's bringing Maxwell Lord more into the fold. It's pushing Batman, the only ma- known character, sort of a little bit out. And it rearranges the lineup a little bit here, too. That's right. So um, uh, I say I say, let's get into it. Sure. Let's talk about this cover, Will Hines. Yes. So this is, a, I like this cover. This is sort of like, they're showing the new lineup of the league, although at the start of the issue, this is not the league. By the end of the issue, it will be. Yeah. It's also so it's kind a, of a spoiler, isn't it? It's also more of a straightforward team shot versus the first issue, which had them sort of looking up at the viewer mocking us. Right. The confrontational one. Yeah. Uh, the defiant one. This is more like revered heroes in shadow. Yeah. Uh, we see Batman, Rocket Red, Martian Manhunter, Guy Gardner, Blue Beetle, Black Canary, Booster Gold, Captain Adam, and Mr. Miracle. Well, I'm intrigued. And then, oh yeah, and then behind them is a bunch of flags of different nations. Yeah, that's right. It's a, and this is also a 38 issues. This issue seven is oddly longer. 38 pages. 38 yeah, pages. 38, 38 issues. This issue is yeah. 38 issues. I was like, dude, that'd be like wild, dude. Yeah. It's 38 pages. It's a special, it's it's a weird issue to give extra pages to. I think they just needed it. Yeah. Um, now, I wonder about decisions like that. Like, do you have to be enough of a hit to demand it? Do the editors just say, let's do it? Who knows? Hey, do you remember this at the time, Kevin? DC Comics versus Marvel Comics. I remember thinking that the pages of DC Comics were like thicker and higher quality than Marvel. I don't remember thinking that. But I don't. Or that they were like whiter or so, like cleaner, like 
Yeah. I mean, I was 12, so I don't remember yeah. specifically. Um, I was, well, I was 16. I was walking around testing the paper quality of everything. <laughs> yeah. I do know this. I mean, we're into, we're deep into, um, comic book shops, right? I mean, at this time. Yes. This is 1987. So I think comics definitely, even within a company would have varied qualities of paper. Like some would just be more expensive with better paper and some would be cheaper yeah. with uh, cheaper paper. So that, that was also yeah. a thing going on. All right. Well, I like this cover. Okay. And that's Let's, our episode. episode. We'll tune Thanks in next so week. We'll, We're doing one page an episode. We're covering uh, this. We've been covering Justice League for the last 10 years. Yeah. We're, <laughs> uh, people do that. I don't know why I'm making fun of that. That's like a real podcast thing, right? Like a minute of a movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, those, those ideas are dumb. Yeah. I mean, we We're smarter and better than all we spent podcasts. a season covering like 10 issues of a comic and just talking as fast as possible. And we, yeah, we and did like 10 issues in an episode, which is dumb in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And there were right, Jack so, Kirby issues and they were just filled. Each one of them had 10 in, I know. issues worth of ideas. Yes. An already crammed comic book. And we crammed 10 of those into it. I remember being exhausted after some of those. Yeah. Uh, so now it's a leisurely 38 pages in one episode. Um, page one, we start at Justice League headquarters. Nope, now I'm tired. I, I was wrong. I'm tired. Too much. You're already spent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Justice League headquarters where Guy Gardner is waking up. He was knocked out two issues ago by Batman in one punch when he challenged Batman, and he's coming to now. Yeah, we have not seen him since he was knocked out in one punch. Uh, he is angry. Yeah. Oh, I remember now. He hit me. That bat-eared moron hit me. Just like him to nail me with a lucky punch. So this is the Guy Gardner we know. Yeah. Justifying Batman winning in a fight shouldn't be a thing you have to do. If you get beat by Batman, you should just be like, yep. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, Batman wins. He remembers that he gave up his power ring. He said he took off his power ring for the fight because he wanted it to be man-to-man and Blue Beetle like casually tossed it over his shoulder. So Guy Gardner remembers it kind of got rolled underneath a like computer panel or station like under a cubicle basically again this is in my mind one of the most valuable items on the planet yeah a power ring and they just like yeah we'll get it later they left it like in the corner like it rolled under the fridge basically but yeah and then guys on all hands and knees tucked underneath a a desk basically into the darkness trying to pick up his ring and something bites him and he passes out again well he had something bites him he lurches upwards hits his head on the computer And knocks himself back out. out. It was a mouse he had tried to grab instead of the power ring. Right. So he's out again. Yeah, he's out for a few more pages. So page two, we return to the action that we left last issue, which is all of the Justice League has been subdued, except for Dr. Fate, by the Gray Man. And now Dr. Fate and the Gray Man are facing off. And Dr. Fate has just transported the movie theater that they were all in to some, like, you know, non-reality. That's right. Reality. And uh, Gray Man is screaming at Dr. Fate. Um, You're a fool, Dr. Fate, if you think teleporting this building out of Stone Ridge will change anything. I mean, that's a tr- true statement there. I mean, why would that matter? Yeah, and Dr. Fate does not care about this dude at all. A fool, of course. Gray Man keeps going. I'm the Gray Man. I have the power to equal you and your fellow lords of order. Dr. Fate's like, yeah, of course you do. Dr. Fate's really throwing a lot of shade. He's throwing a lot of shade. I really... Uh, Reading this out loud, Dr. Fate's lines read better than in my head because he sounds he sounds real badass. He sighs and it sounds tough. He goes, ah, yeah. 
You don't understand, do you? You never had a chance. And then with one snap of his fingers, the gray man essentially is defeated. Yes. Um, we see him transported to some sort of other realm, which we recognize from previous flashbacks as being the realm of the Lords of Order, which is who Dr. Fate works for, which are, I don't know who, but they're just some like metaphysical beings. Yeah, I mean, they're some sort of DC Universe gods. And the Lords of Order are addressing That's bigger the than man. gods. I mean, they control the fabric of the universe. Yeah, there's something more fundamental. This is something that DC likes to throw, and Marvel, comic books like to throw around, you know. Mm-hmm. On one hand, you got heroes like Punching Man, who's got the power of the fist. And then you have like, you know, you know, Father Spacetime, who like wears a cloak and can like eat planets and shit. This yes. is more on the cosmic realm of characters. The Lords of Order... And they are mad at the gray man, and the gray man is suddenly terrified. He was talking a big game a second ago, and now he's terrified. Yeah, he is scrambling. You know, it's not my fault. It it was fate. That's right. He did it. He made me do it. He becomes really uh, sniveling. He's a weasel. Yeah. Lords of Order want nothing to do with it. Silence. They know the whole story. They're not fooled. What they don't understand is why he was mad at them, because he's been mad at them for centuries. Yeah, they go, you abused the precious gift we have bestowed upon you. Yeah, this is weird. This this turns out that his that the what the gray man has been mad about, his centuries of torment of running errands for the lords of order and his errand was absorbing dream essences of individuals. Sure, right? They thought it was like a cool thing to do and he hated it. They just they just never talked to each other. They were impressed that he was able to find them and reach them, so they made him a demigod of sorts. They were yeah. like, "Okay, well you can't be us." We're not giving you our power, but we'll give you some of our power because we think you're cool. And he took it as an insult um, because he's still a mortal man. Yeah, it does seem weird that they never mentioned this to each other in centuries. He basically felt like he was being subjugated to a menial chore from which he could never escape. Um, and they thought it was a gift. And so the the Lords of Order are just now realizing that he never wanted it. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't I don't want your damned reward, the gray man says. And the Lords of Order are like, all right, so be it. And they kill him. And they kill him, and that's the end of the Gray Man. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these Justice League stories in this era end this way. That's sort of like the Justice League really don't do anything, and then it sort of wraps. It's like Dr. Fate and Gray Man. This is really a Dr. Fate and Gray Man story. Yeah. And the Justice League sort of were just happened to be in the town. Yeah. If they didn't show up, nothing else changes. Right. Uh, yeah, we've had a number of things like that, like the rocket, re- like the, the altercation of Russia, where there was like an international incident with all the rocket reds that kind of just, that kind of just ended. Or like the nuclear meltdown and Windy Ninja saved the day. They didn't do anything. Yeah, Windy Ninja just saved the day. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm just saying the Justice League, this Justice League is sort of uh, just there for show. Uh, I have to pause for one second, Kevin. It's a cat thing. I'll be right back. Uh Uh-oh. Be very quick. Oh, he's kissing his cat right now. Giving his cat a kiss on the mouth. The cat thing he was referring to was that his cat needed a kiss. Oh, they're in love. That's sweet. And now he's back from kissing his cat. And he's, he's, wiping his, he's wiping his mouth and he says, that's it. I did it. I finished that thing with a cat. <laughs> okay. So 
Yeah, and this is another one where they had this big, long battle. Really, it was several issues, and Gray Man was shown to be so powerful. And then Dr. Fate's like, no, you never had power, which kind of makes me wonder, why didn't why did he let himself get captured? He really drew it out. It doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I mean, I, I, but I guess it's sort of like this is going with the theory that does it's the journey, not the destination. That is the theory of these Justice League pa- uh, stories. Batman asks uh, on the next page, Fate, what's going on here? Which Fate responds, the gray man has been dispatched. Reality has returned to its normal shape. All is as it was before. Batman asks, care to elaborate on that? And Fate says, no. <laughs> Which really is a very Batman way to be. Like that's kind of what Batman would tell the rest of the league with yeah. stuff, I bet. Dr. Fate is like, it's time for us to go. And the league is, like, annoyed. Yep. Um, Blue Beetle is kind of mad. They're outside of the movie theater where this all went down. So that's it. We run around like lunatics, get beat up on. Now everything's all hunky-dory, and we don't even get to find out why. Dr. Fate's like, precisely. (laughs) Creeper says, makes sense to me. (laughs) Yeah, the crazy man of the group says it makes sense. Also, Stone Ridge, Vermont, where they've been, which was everybody was, like, drained of their energy and the... All the buildings were replaced with bone and coral versions. Everything's back to normal. Yeah, I think Kevin McGuire maybe drew some friends into this first panel. This, yeah, these look like Easter eggs, right? Yeah, I don't think they're... I mean, they're too good-looking to be comic book creators. Could be good-looking versions of them. Maybe. Yeah, but it looks like some Easter eggs here. I think that's the... pals of Kevin McGuire that he threw into the front of a panel. Um. So basically Dr. Fate leaves the team here. Like Batman's like, you can't do like, you know, we're a team. You can't just hide stuff. And, um, and you know, we have to work together. And Dr. Fate got a really funny answer. A lecture on teamwork from you, Batman. If I had a sense of humor, I would laugh. <laughs> it's very Dr. So Spock. Like, yeah. Mr. Spock, Mr. Spock, not that. Dr. Spock. There is a Dr. Spock in our world. Yes, but he isn't famous for not laughing. No. And then um, Dr. Fate's had it with these clowns and he just kind of vanishes and he's out of the league. Yeah, and Creeper runs off too. He was never in the league, but he really didn't do anything either other than show them where the movie theater was where they did nothing. That's right. Um, Oh, Beatles got a funny thing after Dr. Fate floats off. If he thinks he's getting a Christmas present for me this year, he's crazy. Do you think Blue Beetle used to give Dr. Fate Christmas presents? That'd be nice. Yes, I do. I mean, Ted Cord was a very rich man. Just seems like a guy who's good at getting errands done. Um, and then the Booster Gold says, you got to admit, it's pretty funny. After the Creeper leaves, Batman goes, I don't think so. And then Booster goes, me neither. He's still trying to win over the leader of the team. Smart move. Yeah. Uh, they're hungry. They're bored. But Batman's like, we're getting back home. And they get into the Beetle ship, the Bug ship, the Bug, the, the bug Mobile. And they're flying back, and that's the end of the Gray Man saga. We get a little hint about Mr. Miracle's wife, Big Barda, who hasn't shown up in this comic, but is more powerful than most of the members. Because um, Mr. Miracle is told he's on monitor duty, and he mentions his, he had plans with his wife. And someone, yeah. we don't know who, says, in our line of work, that's not exactly a wise move. Your wife, and Mr. Miracle says, could probably take out the Joker with one hand, which is true. Yeah. She's very powerful. Which is true. So we cut to what's going to be the main action of this issue, which is we cut to the United Nations. And the main action of this issue 
not action, but like the main story is like what Maxwell Lord has planned for the league. And I'm just going to spoil it right here, everybody. He wants to turn them into an international agency. Yeah. Up to this point through comics history, they've been Justice League of America. Uh, America, which it, baby. It's an American team that deals with Europe American problems. No uh, they've been based mostly in a cave lately. They were in a satellite before that. But even when they're in a satellite... They were still like an American team, even though they sometimes would do worldwide threats. I mean, it, America was in their name. And from issue one, Maxwell Lord has removed the word America from this Justice League team. And now he's pitching to the UN to make them an officially sanctioned team. Yeah, of the world, that they would sort of be able to have embassies everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but we don't, we don't totally know that yet. We just know that we're at the United Nations and Maxwell Lord is up to something and he's meeting with uh, the Martian Manhunter, John Jones. Which, as at this moment, is the only member of the team because everybody else is still at Stone Ridge, Vermont, and Captain Marvel was beat up. So he's kind of representing the whole team here in an official capacity. And uh, Maxwell Lord's like being coy about it. Uh, he doesn't want to say what he's up to. And at the end of... One of these pages, he reveals that he's working with Oberon, who is a member of the League, friend of Mr. Miracle. Yeah, sort of a, uh, not a super-powered member of the team, but he has been at the meetings with Mr. Miracle. He's been around, so he sort of becomes... He's like, he's like the Alfred to Mr. Miracle's Batman, kind of. Yeah, that's the closest analogy to that. He sort of becomes like an assistant to the team, like a VP of team stuff. Like a Jarvis? Yeah, more than a Jarvis, I'd say. He seems to ma- be able to make decisions and stuff. Okay. But uh, somewhere in that realm. Anyway. But Oberon, who we know is a good guy, who we know is with the, J- with the Justice League, is on Maxwell Lord's side, it seems. That's right. Uh, then we cut back to the Justice League's headquarters, and Mr. Miracle is getting screamed at by his wife, Big Barda, on the phone. Yes. We see Big Barda in bunny slippers in a suburban kitchen. She destroys her phone in rage. Yeah. Just screaming at him that he that that Scott has canceled plans, uh, and it just ends with Scott saying, "Well, they never said marriage is going to be easy." Yeah, she, she at some point says, "I don't even know understand why you had to join the Justice League in the first place that you were bored with." And Mr. Miracle goes, "But we discussed it thoroughly before. We didn't discuss anything. You and Oberon discussed it and announced it over dinner." So it's an interesting mm-hmm. relationship. Um, there's a shot. We take a wide shot of uh, Mr. Miracle putting his head down on his desk after this fight. And we're in our, in the foreground is the feet of Guy Gardner still unconscious. Yeah. Nobody has uh, checked in with him, I guess. No, one's okay. found Mr. Him. Miracle specifically thinks, I wonder where Guy is. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut to Hal Jordan, the sort of main Green Lantern, the first Green Lantern. Yeah. The, the first Silver Age Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. He's, you know, the Green Lantern most people think of when they think of Green Lanterns, though, you know, that's changed a little bit because of the cartoon to Jon Stewart. But Hal Jordan is what they, when, when they made the terrible movie, he was Hal Jordan. Most times, you know, it's this guy. He's approaching Justice League headquarters and he's, you know, he's a founding member. He's a charter member of the, of the league in the old days. And so um, he's here to talk to Guy. And actually, he's here to maybe, I don't I forget why he's here. But he, they know he, he's coming and he is a welcome guest. He wants Guy to get his act together. Okay, yeah, because he's damaging the image of Green Lanterns and the league, which mm-hmm. Hal Jordan cares about. Then we cut away from that before Guy stumbles to his feet. Guy wakes up at the end of this, but nobody sees him yet. We get the classic running gag where Mr. Miracle thinks to himself, maybe he's come to take Guy far, far away. Nah, we'd never get that lucky. Yeah, that's the Guy running gag. 
Then we cut to Maxwell Lord and he's talking to John Jones about his plans. And the weird thing is we see them both like in person or whatever. And then we also see that they're being watched on a monitor. Yes. Um, they're talking about uh, this, trying to get international status. He's trying to convince John Jones. Uh, John Jones is open to the idea. It's not that I doubt the validity of the idea. It's just that, um, and it sounds like John Jones is going to accept it. And the computer screen or somebody watching the computer screen says, excellent. So it's Monty Burns from the Simpsons. <laughs> That's right. This is a huge crossover with the Simpsons. They haven't revealed it till now. Yeah. It's, it's about to join the league. It's an early reveal. The Simpsons, I don't believe existed yet. But uh, we don't find out exactly what's going on because we cut to the White House where Ronald Reagan is talking to Superman. Yes. Um, Ronald Reagan has, has he, he's appeared in this comic already. Gorbachev definitely has. Gorbachev has. I don't think Reagan has. So this is Reagan's first appearance. Maybe, maybe it's like a panel or something. Maybe uh, up for membership. It's unclear. Yeah. Will Reagan be in the league? Oh, Superman, you mean? No, uh, Reagan. Yeah, Reagan. Um, so they're talking about whatever Maxwell Lord's proposal is, and Superman says he thinks it's a good idea. Yeah. But we still are not really told what it is. Yeah, Batman, Superman says, I have some problems with the way Batman operates on his own, but I have to admit he's taking the league well in hand. We take a couple shots at Reagan here. Uh, Reagan at the beginning of this says, it's, finally, it's a pleasure to finally meet you. Superman's like, we've met before, Mr. President. We have? Yes, sir, several times. It's in that Ronald Reagan actually did end up getting Alzheimer's and dementia. Yes. And this now seems like a mean joke, but at the time he was the current president and just had memory lapses. And it was just sort of like a thing we lived with and like yeah. just jokes about it. Uh, he also can't make the decision without talking to Nancy. That's sweet in a way. Sweet. Yeah. I've got to talk to Nancy. Of course, sir. That's right. uh, let me cut to Captain Marvel. He's not sure if he should be in the league anymore because he apparently is newly Captain Marvel or something like that. And he's still figuring out the superhero yeah. life. He's only been Captain Marvel since Crisis, really. Oh. Which at this time is just a couple of years in comic book time. Yeah, that's right. Um, he's just joined the DC Universe. So he's new at the whole superhero game. And Batman's referenced that. He's, you know, talked him down for being inexperienced. But he's, but he's thinking this over. Maybe I should quit the league. He arrives at Justice League headquarters to see Hal Jordan talking to Mr. Miracle and he does another Gary Gardner joke. Uh, Captain Marvel thinks, wow, another Green Lantern. Maybe we're finally getting rid of Guy. Nah, we'd never get that lucky. So it's not like they've planned this joke. They're all thinking it in their thought balloons. Uh, and now we get a hint of what's going on with Guy. Hal is saying, I just don't understand it. He's so, Mr. Miracle, he is, isn't he? And then uh, Captain Marvel goes, something wrong, fellas? And Hal Jordan's like, hmm, depends on how you look at it. And um, we re they start saying that Guy Gardner, he came here to eat lecture guy Gardner, but guy Gardner changed yeah captain marvel says to hal jordan how do you take your little lecture hal jordan goes that's just it he took it well incredibly well amazingly well in fact he thanked me for dropping by <laughs> captain marvel says thank you were we talking about the same guy Gardner?" uh and yeah mr miracle kind of puts it together for us best we can figure is that he got a bad bump on the head well i think you'd better see this for yourself and he's reading cosmo at the monitor and he's and, singing, you light up my life, la da do do there, there was like a stable of songs in the mid-80s that writers would go to to like make fun of people's musical taste. Like John Denver songs was a go-to, Barry Manilow songs. Yeah. <laughs> like you'd read like Bloom County in the newspaper and like whoever was like an uncool person would be like, I love Barry Manilow or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah Barry Manilow got made fun of or, or at least mentioned a lot in Bloom County, that's for sure. 
And so Hal Jordan is like, well, yeah, he's a different person now. So he's all yours. I'm taking off. And, and he leaves. Yeah, and Mr. Miracle and Captain Marvel are a little spooked by the whole scenario. Then we cut back to Jack Ryder, who's the creeper. But he's in his civilian guise as a right-wing commentator. Which has never doing, been spelled out in this comic. Not one time. Yes, it's not necessarily clear to the readers. But um, he's basically saying that the League was up in Stone Ridge and all the stuff went down, which he knows because he was there as the Creeper mm-hmm. talking to them. And he's basically insinuating that they're troublemaking and they were in the middle of all this. And although he's not accusing them of anything, he's basically associating them with bad tidings. Yes. Uh, he also has a guest. He has Colonel Ruman uh, Harjavit, the uh, leader of Bialya, who has had run-ins with the League already. Um, He's a schemer who got Windy Ninja and his friends to like try to attack Russia and then eventually, you know, try, he's a player. Yeah, and he says, it is being my pleasure to be here, Mr. Ryder. And that's all he says, right? Yeah, then uh, yes, Ryder well, asks could him, you, could you yeah. tell us about your country's recent encounter with the Justice League? And he goes, it is being my pleasure to be here, Mr. Ryder. So what's that all about? It's a joke. He agreed to be on a show but then doesn't know English? Yeah, doesn't speak English. Okay. The end of the joke. End of the joke. We don't see him again this issue. Um, then we cut back to whatever entity is watching things from a distance. And on a screen, they're having a conversation. It says, taking into consideration media hostility, odds on United Nations accepting our proposal, next panel, nil. Next panel, recommendation, final panel, change the odds. Yes. And then some device in space opens up a hole in its side and an enormous laser beam starts firing at the earth. Yeah, it hits like in the water, like a boat almost gets hit. And the, uh, uh, you know, the monitor goes off. Captain Marvel and Mr. Miracle check it out. They see what's going on and they realize they got to call everybody in. This is a for real Justice League emergency. Um, And so, yeah, so they sound the alarm. Then we cut to John Jones flying away from Maxwell Lord's office, obviously responding to the alarm. We get a little bit more Guy Gardner before that, uh, the new Guy Gardner. Gosh, fellas, what's all the ruckus? I hope that's not any trouble, says Guy Gardner. Yeah, Captain Marvel says there sure is. And he also, well, I think it would be a good idea to consult with Batman about this. He's got such a well-honed intellect. <laughs> it's totally bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Um, very what a bizarre funny decision joke. for a comic to make, just to turn what, just to change the personalities of one of their main characters to the opposite for yeah, a while. From a bump on the head. For several issues that lasts. Uh, we see Maxwell Lord seeing, he knows about this emergency because John, John Jones has flown off. He is sort of talking to himself about it. A major international crisis at such a crucial time. I'd almost believe that. No, it couldn't. It wouldn't. Would it? It did. So He looks at some Palm Pilot, although we're eight or nine years away from Palm Pilots. He's looking at a calculator, maybe, a graphing calculator. So, yeah, he's looking at a parabola or a trapezoid or something, and... um. He it, well, This was not his idea. A lot of times we find out that he's behind things. Yes. He's not behind this. He doesn't have full control of whatever this is. And we see the laser beam uh, getting ready to wreak major havoc. It's headed from the oceans to the towns. Yeah, it's uh, creating a tidal wave. It's digging a huge trench, uh, possibly underwater. That's unclear to me. Um, Batman is watching this all happen on a monitor with uh, some guy. Some yeah, it's just some... Some computer guy they've brought in for help or yeah, whatever. Star Labs. Um, still using dot matrix screens. 
yes, very, very primitive graphics on the JL computers. I'm, I'm a little surprised if like a weirdly pixelated Pac-Man comes out and eats the words, but that doesn't happen. Uh, there's a funny joke here. Captain Marvel's whispering to Mr. Miracle. Scott, do you really think we can stop this thing? Mr. Miracle asks, do you want an honest answer? Captain Marvel goes, not especially. So Mr. Miracle goes, it'll be a piece of cake. <laughs> I like that joke. That is a good one. So the League decides that they are going to solve this and they take a space shuttle into space. Yeah, again, I I love this low-tech Justice League. Like Nowadays, when superheroes go into space, they fly through galaxies and universes in an hour, get wherever they want. They just have whatever technology they need. These guys are in a real space shuttle and they're wearing like real spacesuits. Like bulky yeah. astronaut suits. Yeah, and all, so they have their costumes on and then the suits on outside of the costumes, That's right. which is not supposed to be funny, but it does look funny to me. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Miracle is at the helm. He's, this is a weaponized space shuttle. And so he's very confident that his missiles will be able to take out this thing that's creating the beam. Um, and it's like Batman says to him, let's see if we can knock that thing out of the sky. Uh, Mr. Miracle is like, if we can't, I'll eat my mask. Fires two missiles, it does nothing. Batman says, how would you like that cooked? Mr. Miracle's like, rare with a mild cheese sauce. Batman's getting into the spirit of the jokey Justice League. Then uh, everybody leaves the shuttle in their spaceship, mm-hmm. spacesuits, and floats over to the device. And the device suddenly activates a self-defense mechanism and starts firing all these missiles at them. Just before that, John Jones asks Batman, I assume you have some plan of attack, Batman? Batman says, of course. I just haven't figured out what it is yet. Right. So then they get close and then the missiles start firing the self-defense system. Mm -hmm. And the league is basically now going to go through a several page action sequence where they try to disarm this, this thing. One of the things that they notice pretty early is there's cameras. Yeah. Booster gold notices that. I like that. He's a cam. He knows cameras. Um, they try to get rid of the camera and Batman gets shocked. Yeah. Or no, he, his suit gets shredded. It, yeah. the, the camera like oh yeah he gets shocked on the the uh, by near the camera and his suit is shredded by it and they think he's dead because you know he's in outer space a uh, booster gold checks on him and realizes he's somehow not dead yeah his suit is somehow back together with, uh, with a cracked helmet but a helmet nonetheless uh, and batman says damn we've been set up get me back to the ship uh, meanwhile, on Earth, everybody on Earth is covering this, uh, frightened of this horrible machine, and everyone knows that the League is trying to save them. Yes. And then Mr. Miracle is examining it, and he's starting to figure this out. There's something familiar about all this. Now that I think about it, the design of this satellite almost reminds me of... Of what? Of course. And He, he figures something out, and without telling us anything else, he just walks into the beam. Yep. And uh, they assume he's dead, which is a good guess. Inside the beam, we see Mr. Miracle thinking, I'm alive, I think. Sure, I'm alive. I can still hear my knees knocking. Um, so he knows something's up. We don't yet know what that is. He sees more cameras, but he disregards it, and he's just slowly approaching the device. And he's inside the laser beam as he does it. Yeah, uh, he disables the whole thing. Mr. Miracle saves a day. And they assume he's dead. They assume he, he sacrificed himself. John Jones says, he sacrificed his life in the bargain. Rest well, Mr. Miracle. You shall not be forgotten. Mr. Miracle responds, I should hope not. Yeah, hi, fellas. Nice night for a celebration, don't you think? 
Beetle goes, pipe down, Scott. We're eulogizing you. It's very Looney Tunes joke. I love it. So then um, they cut down to Earth and the United Nations based on this, based on the Justice League saving all of the Earth. Um, they agree that they should consider Maxwell Lord's proposal to make the Justice League an international entity. They know it's suspicious because they're like, how did this get broadcast? But they also say, doesn't really matter, does it? The whole world has seen this Justice League. It's being lionized. Hell, they've been canonized from continent to continent. So they're they're basically going to go forward with it, but they have a couple of sort of like provisions. That's right. They want some members added. Yeah. Rocket Red would be a Russian superhero. Makes sense the United Nations would want that. Why they want Captain Adam, I don't know. Well, he's under the thumb of American government. At this point in the Captain Adam comics, he is um he 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 was somebody it's similar to Dr. Manhattan, Captain Adam uh, uh died in the 60s and then reappeared with powers in the 80s. Um and he like works for the government. It's not it's sort of hinted at in later issues that he was asked to join the Justice League to sort of spy on the Justice League for the American government. Nothing really comes of that. Okay. Um, but mo- but the most superheroes, you know, they're their own bosses. Yeah, most of them are freelancers. Yeah. They got 1099s. They got to declare their own taxes. That's right. But Captain Adam, he works for the government, so he's got a good job, good vacation pay, good pension. Good benefits, yeah. yeah. Uh, we cut to the Justice League now. They're all in the United Nations waiting to hear if this proposal has gone through. Yeah, they're sort of just hanging out in a room in their colorful costumes. They're looking good, you know? Good-looking team. Their their muscles are nice and inked. Um, all the capes are ironed. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Mr. Miracle's explaining how he knew that he would survive. He, uh, I was so sure that the satellite was not from Apocalypse that it took me a while to realize that I had seen it before on New Genesis. That satellite was a training device used for our warriors. It would throw all manner of threats at you, and you had to work your tail off to avoid them. But if you screwed up, the device would, the device would never hurt you. It always found some means to protect you. So he knew that he would not be hurt by jumping in the middle of the laser. So now, Kevin, before we get to the United Nations, should we take a break here? No, we should take it now. Okay, let's take it now. Let's do it. Hey, a break. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. That was our break. Break's over. Break's over. Break's over. And now another break. And we're back. And we're back. (laughs) Um, So the United Nations is, uh, they agree, international status for the Justice League. Yeah, they even bring in Superman to talk for a moment again. That's, you know, that's like bringing LeBron James in to convince somebody to let your high school team have a yeah, basketball right. court. Um, it's not quite that. It's got to be scary being in the same room with Superman. Yeah, everyone likes him, but 
That's I'd intimidating. Be of that. I'd be scared the whole time. Uh, Maxwell Lord is explaining to the to the team that he has no authority over. Uh, so the deal is this: you'll function as an uh, as a UN sanctioned international peacekeeping force, operating virtually as an independent city state with embassies across the globe. Uh, yeah, Batman is suspicious. Sounds too good to be true, Max. I'm sure it is. You say we'll be independent. I say we'll be dependent on the will and the whim of every government in the UN. Yeah, Batman's mad. I don't like it. We're being forced to accept two members we don't want, which Black Canary says members you don't want. Batman in very little letters. Pardon? Stop speaking for the League, Batman. I like the idea. I think most of us like it. If you want to be paranoid, go ahead, but leave the rest of us out of it. And in the past, or not in the past, in the future, I guess, in, in my past, Batman's future, I feel like in moments like this, Batman would be 100% right. Anytime Batman would be suspicious or concerned about something, he's always proven to be right. Yeah. And everyone should have listened to Batman. But he's sort of wrong here. This Max all Lord works does out. seem suspicious. He does seem suspicious, but nothing comes of that suspicion. Like, Maxwell Lord is... he he. The ends don't necessarily justify... Uh, his means didn't justify the ends or whatever. Uh, the ends didn't justify his means, um, but his but ends were a good idea. He was not trying to rule the world. Um, Guy Gardner enters this meeting late saying, "Didn't uh, morning, fellas. Gee, I'm sorry I'm late. Didn't get to sleep till almost three last night. There was this wonder evangel- evan- evangelist. A wonderful evangelist. Yeah. He had such interesting things to say. Have you have any of you heard about the power of positive thinking? And even Captain Marvel was like, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this guy's too much. Um, I mean, this is fun. Uh, this comic's fun. Guy Gardner, oh, by the way, Batman, sir, that nice Dr. Fate called, and he said that he, although he'd certainly be there for us if we need him, he'll have to decline regular membership. By the way, Batman, sir, so insane. Yeah. And then Captain, so uh, Dr. Fate's out, and then Captain Marvel leaves. Yeah. Uh I wish you know how special you all are to me. This has been the most exciting few months of my life, but for now, Captain Marvel's got to go. And he's leaving with honor. John Jones is like, when you when you decide you're ready to come back, there'll always be a place for you among us. And then Batman takes a step back. One more thing. If we're going global, I can't remain in the top, top spot. Too high a profile, you know. You should know by now that I prefer the shadows. Just as I know that the one person really qualified to command an international league is the only one of us who really sees this planet as a unified whole. And that's you, Jean. Jean Jean becomes leader of the justice league and he's great as a leader. He's a great choice. This is a weird thing that happens in comic books and maybe the justice league in particular, where there's like a couple of pages just of discussion of like, sort of like, I don't know, like story point changing that we're just being told things instead of them really, I mean, it's a little bit, there's reasons for it. There's Mm -hmm. explanations, but it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing that happens in episodic stories. Like if this were a movie, it wouldn't matter. It would just be true that John Jones is the leader and that you wouldn't need to know. But like, yeah, it feels very Avengers. Like I didn't read a lot of justice league prior to this point, but it feels like what Avengers comics always read to me, like lineup changes were such a story point for pages and pages and who's the chairman. And they would always announce their leadership in like a press conference Yeah, where the justice League would be like, uh, you know, we're not going to tell you that Superman is taking a leave of absence. You don't worry about it. A uh, funny thing happens here. Guy Gardner is broken up that Captain Marvel is leaving. Oh, yeah, yes. He, he's so mean to Captain Whitebread. And now he's like, oh, gee, Cap, you're not really going, are you? I mean, isn't there anything I can do to change your mind? 
And then uh, yeah, Captain Marvel's now, like, now, now, now guy, guy, don't, don't get, get upset. Up. You can always call me in an emergency. I'll come back for lots of visits. Promise, asks Guy. Promise, says Captain Marvel. Funny. I declare that to yeah. be funny. It is funny. And then the last page is sort of just a team shot of them announcing themselves in front of the UN symbol. A uh, little personality in each of their poses. It's great. Yeah, John Jones sort of proud and severe. Batman hidden in the back, nodding down. Black Canary sort of genial and happy. Booster sort of a ham. Mr. Miracle, sort of a showman, waving. Uh, Beetle kind of bowing like an awkward scientist. Guy Gardner. uh, Oberon also sort of just has a happy pose. Racket Red and Captain Adam, we don't know their personalities yet, so they're just kind of standing there. Oh, Captain Marvel's still there too. Yeah, that's weird that he's there. Um, But that's it. They're there. Justice League International. Yeah. And um, that's kind of the end of the first big arc of the series. Yes, that's right. Yeah. and that's the issue. We haven't figured out we haven't figured out Maxwell Lord's deal yet. Um, who the, what that entity is that he's talking to that arranged the whole charade mm-hmm. that created the crisis that won yeah, I'm including such public that in, opinion. I'm including that in Maxwell Lord's deal. Okay, that's most of his deal. And um, I just thought you meant who supplied his suits. <laughs> okay, yeah, we, we, we don't never that learn that. We never. I don't learn think that? we ever. We never learn it. Reboot this series. It's, it's all about Brooks all Brothers, about the suits, baby. Um. Yeah, and what did you what you think, Kev? I love this issue. I mean, I I, I like the the lineup change issues. I shouldn't. Isn't it but weird they're that fun. they're, they're satisfying? Because they're actually not so action packed, but they are kind of satisfying for some reason. A lot of my favorite issues are ones that involve lineup changes or membership drives or things like that, and they are they're sort of dumb because yeah. like. We don't need to see Blue Beetle going to Hawkman and being like, hey, would you like to join the Justice League? But I like it. Yeah. What's your favorite moment? Um, oh, yeah. I forgot we do that. Um, I like... What do I like? I mean, is it cheesy to say the, the Guy Gardner reveal? No. Because that's probably my favorite moment. The, the moment when they're, uh, when Hal and... Mr. Miracle explained to Captain Marvel what's going on. Yeah. If I had to pick a panel, it's the panel where uh, Mr. Miracle and Hal Jordan are pointing it to Captain Marvel and he's got like shock lines all around his head. Yeah. And you see him singing the song. It's really fun. Um, I guess I'll take as my favorite moment. This is another sort of cop out. The very last panel. Yeah. It's just kind of nice to see the league happy and excited and ready to be. the. It really has been like seven issues of setup. I mean, really fun setup that I've really enjoyed. But this is where it begins. Yeah, I um, don't really, really um, like Dr. Fate, but I really enjoyed him in this issue, too. Like when we were just reading it out loud, all his lines were really fun to me. So maybe maybe I love Dr. Fate. It's also a thing. This reread has really made me impressed with J.M. DeMatty. It's not that I wasn't already. I already was. But I think of this as a Keith Giffen series. Like I, I you know, I equate it to Keith. Uh, and I do think, and I think Keith- that's. Fair. I think it's more fair than saying like the Fantastic Four is a Stan Lee thing. Yes, but uh, J.M. DeMatty's dialogue is so impactful. Yes. I mean, this, you know what? This is like a comic as if FF was only known as a Kirby book, and you went back and read it. We're like, boy, Stan Lee really adds a lot with these words. Like, if Stan Lee was not given yes. primary credit, and then a reread said, Stan adds so much. That's kind of what this is like. Yes, that's true. I dialogue also. I also think that. Um, even though it's been a good comic up to this point and the, the most famous moment has already happened at this point, the second half of this issue is really where Justice League becomes this Justice League. Yeah. 
It's just like even a t- television series, if it's a long running one, it takes like a season to like settle into its like true form. Um, yeah. Even if it's good during that time. And that's kind of what's happened here. Then when we first discussed covering this, we talked about ending with this issue and I insisted in doing one more issue because I think like the next issue just gives you a feel for that next, the, 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 the real status quo of this comic. You get your verse. Ha. <laughs> it, it becomes a little sillier uh, in some ways. Uh, the, the characters like John Jones's character gets sort of locked in blue and gold are for sure buddies in that next issue. That's, not really been clear up to this point that they're good friends, but they are definitely good friends next issue. So it's sort of all those things become important. I think rocket Red's also kind of an important part that we don't get the real rocket red next issue. Um, uh, that's I, a spoiler. That's a spoiler for the millennium I, I, crossover I, that nobody likes. I don't remember that, but uh, I'm excited to find out about it. And we are going to go uh, more issues with this. So we're not done yet. Yeah. I've talked Will into going beyond issue. We're going to eight. 12, right? Yeah, we're going to go through 12, and then I'm going to try to talk you into doing some Justice League Europe issues. I agree. And then I'm going to make the probably wrong claim that I'll stand by that Justice League Europe is maybe better than Justice League America. I can't wait to read and then disagree with you about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're doing uh, we're doing uh, more Justice League, uh, uh, however many I, more issues that is. Nine? To 10, uh, like yeah, well, this was issue seven. So five doing, more of this uh, and then uh, six of, so 11 more. Yeah. So get used to it. Get used to it, everybody. Or drop us. Yeah. I mean, also we might change our mind. Um, do we have any email, Kevin? We do have emails. Well, while I pull them up, do you want to explain how people can email us? Yeah. So you can email us at screwitspidey at Gmail. That's left over from our first season when we were a Spider-Man only podcast. Screwitspidey at Gmail. We also have an Instagram account, screwitcomics. We'd love if you followed us there. Kevin puts great screenshots of the things we're talking about. That's screwitcomics. Uh, there's also a Twitter account, screwitcomics. And you can interact with any with us and any of those. And then also for you super fans, for the people who really care, we have screwitrecent. Com- uh, screw which is just stuff that Kevin's reading on his own. And my brother is an aficionado master sommelier of the uh, comic book world. So there's really good stuff on Screw It Recent being talked about. He doesn't hold back with his opinions either. So don't go there if you don't like hot, hot takes. And um, Yeah, I recently just uh, talked about Richard Sala, who uh, passed away. Passed away suddenly and is so, we're so sad because he was such a great talent and made such original and great stuff. And Kevin, you were a really big fan of his. Yeah, I... Um I recommended Chuckling What's It in our first season of Spider-Man uh, when we were doing a recommendation segment. Um, uh, Richard Sala, when I was a kid, Liquid Television was on MTV. Did you watch that, Will, or was that when you were in college? I watched it here or there. Like, that was, like, regular viewing for me and my nerdy friends. Uh, and it was like, that's where Beavis and Butthead was born, and Eon Flux was, like, a huge hit. It was, like, this sort of anime-ish action show. Yeah. Um and there was also this thing called Invisible Hands, which had like, you know, the, each episode was like a minute and a half. Yeah. It was animated like those old Marvel animations with like barely moving parts. And it was all like twists and turns and people being knocked out and drugged, all like looking for this clock that had eyes in it, all being guided by invisible hands. And it was so weird and just off kilter enough. I was, I loved it. Yeah. And uh, I think... When we were in, I think I was in Boston, maybe visiting you okay. or with you, and we were in Newberry Comics. Yes. Which is not a comic shop, 
primarily. It originally did, was a comic book shop and then sort of became like music and t-shirts and lots of stuff. Yeah. They still do have comic or what in 94, yeah. they still had comics. I don't know what their status is. When now. we were there, it had like a small comic selection, but it was also like not necessarily mainstream comics. Cool stuff. And I discovered um, a volume of his uh, comics. I think I found Hypnotic Tales, I think was the one I found. Um, this was years after Invisible Television, but I immediately recognized the art style as Richard Sala's yeah, art. Liquid Television, yeah. Uh, liquid Television. What do I keep saying? Invisible Television. Oh, yeah. Uh, liquid Television. Um, and I recognized the art right away, and I bought it, and I read it, I devoured it, and it was like his art was cruder, but it was so cool and so interesting, and it was all like kind of not humorous, but sort of just absurdist horror stories. Um, and then I just started getting everything I could by him. And it, he didn't have that much stuff back then. Um, like I didn't, I didn't read chuckling. What's it when it was being serialized, but I saw when it was collected and I bought it and I was like, Oh my, how did I not know about this? And, uh, he became sort of appointment reading for me. Whenever a new book would come out, I would get it. And he, over the last couple of years has serialized those books on Tumblr, does like a page mm. every couple of days and then collects them. And I don't read them page to page because I'm just sort of like, Oh, I'll wait till it's collected. I can't wait. Yeah. Cause you want it all. You want, you want to get in that world and live in it for a little bit. Yes. Um, and, uh, he had just started a new one. He was like four or five pages into a new one when he died. So like, this was not a, I've been sick for a long time yeah. type of situation. It's a tragedy. Um, he's one of those artists that like, and I don't know him as well as Kevin does, but I think I, Maybe just I'm gonna just use brother license to say I think I know the feeling you have, which is like sometimes somebody's whole aesthetic is just cool, like everything from the art to the content of the story to even ending up like the size of the word balloons and the spaces in there and how much they include and how much they don't. You're just somebody. Some people are good at casting a spell, and he was one of them. Yeah, uh, like Richard Sala and like Paul Grist and maybe a couple other guys are like that for me where I'm just sort of like, ah, I think I'd even enjoy a bad story if this guy wrote and drew it. I, I feel like... I don't think I'd see it as bad. I, I, don't, I, 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 think, I don't know. Was Sala ever in Raw Comics, the Art Spiegelman, yes. Francois Mouly collection? Because that's what and I... That was, is where I think he... I think that I think he got that first and through that got Liquid Television. So Raw was this like art comic thing that came out now and then and over the years in different forms, Art Spiegelman and his, his wife, Francois Mouly, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, curated it. And they tried to pick like basically comics that you wouldn't, you know, non-mainstream comics. Like, so if you were like me, like a superhero nerd, you'd pick it up, pick up an issue of Raw and be exposed to all these like European artists and indie artists and strange underground artists. And it was a thrill. I loved Raw. Um, it was yes. very and cool. I... And it, it, the experience of reading something in Raw was going from superhero comics, which are so literal and every I is dotted and T is crossed and everything's explained. And I love superhero comics. But then you'd go to these abstract ones and the weird, the absence of a literal story and the absence of things being explained made everything feel mysterious and I ate it up. And I think because I had this comic book, you recognized his art from Raw and I read a few issues of Raw that you then said like, oh, he's in this. Yeah. And I think the book I had was a collection of his raw strips. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was something like that. Either I had read raw unrelated cause you had it laying around or because you said, Oh, here it is. And I would read it. And I think I would like skip some and read some. Yeah. I had that experience. I mean, with any anthology series, right? Some stuff connect, you connect with more than others. Mm -hmm. And some of their, some of the stuff in raw was more accessible than others. Um, high culture for low brows. That was one of the, 
taglines of Raw. Raw kind of looked like Mad Magazine in terms of its packaging, like old original Mad. Yeah. But it was just the artiest art book. But I, I adored it. If you, if you were a bit of a hipster snob at all, I, I, if you have never run across Raw, the most, Raw's most famous for where Mouse debuted. Yeah. Mouse, which won the Pulitzer Prize and was Art Spiegelman's uh, telling of his father's story surviving the Holocaust. Right, which is also great. Also amazing, yeah. Um, but if you if you want to read more Richard Sala, Chuckling What's It is my favorite thing, but Mad Knight is also really good. It involves Judy Drood, um, a detective uh, who's a very fun character. But he's got some smaller books too that are probably cheaper. Um, Peculia is a really fun one. Oh, yeah, I remember reading that of yours. And uh, um, there's some shorter ones like... Um, uh, I just read Cat Burglar Black, which feels like almost a young adult story, but <laughs> everything about it is so weird and creepy that I would not show it to a kid. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, I was sad. I was very sad to find out he had passed. What a cool career and what a cool body of work. So RIP Richard Sala. Yeah. Okay. On to emails. Uh, Rob emails us. Hi, bros. Hey. Really enjoying the Justice League International episodes. While this is rarely heard statement on your show, I was always a bit more of a DC guy. Yeah. I was born in 1989 and throughout the 90s, you had the Batman movies, Batman the Animated Series, as well as Lois and Clark and Superman the Animated Series. Plus loads of fun stuff happening in the comics. So I think it just stood out to me more at that time. And I agree with him. I think DC was better in that run. I'm with you, Rob. Yeah. Uh, over the years, I've really gravitated more towards the 80s and 90s era of DC, and I think it's a really underrated period for their characters. I agree. It was a period where they really streamlined their characters and realized how best to use more Marvel-esque storytelling to get the best out of some characters that had grown silly and convoluted over the decades. There's no more evident than in this is no more evident than in John Byrne's reboot of Superman. I think the whole post-crisis stretch of Superman is the best the characters ever been and the most cohesive his world has ever felt. People always talk about how Superman can never be relatable, and I actually think this era of the character proved how you can make him really relatable and charming, just a normal, everyday guy who happens to be extraordinarily powerful. I think they achieved this even more so in the Lois and Clark TV show, which I think is awesome, although I realize I'm in the minority there. Uh, I'm not sure if you've read it. Love to get your take on the John Byrne era of Superman. Well, I um, I did not think much of it actually I'd, I'd loved ff so much and i'd love the i even liked his hulk stuff a lot but i thought superman left me kind of like cold i uh i remember thinking oh, i don't i don't think he really changed this that much in any fundamental way but i also didn't give it a close look so i'm not a fair judge i read your copies of it when it came out but looking back i really like most of the changes john byrne made he made i think lex luther basically everything that's changed since john byrne's run i tend to not like as well yeah um, I liked John Byrne as a, um, or, or rather, I liked Lex Luthor as sort of a non-supervillain, but more of a businessman supervillain. I liked removing uh, all the um, uh, other super characters, getting rid of Superboy and Supergirl and Crypto and stuff like that. I think yeah, the whole paring I, I down it, made sense. I, I probably even liked the story change. I just remember reading the actual issues and not caring. Yeah, I don't. They don't. I don't remember them as well. But I, I liked the feel of it for sure. Anyway, I agree with Rob that that t- period of DC was a good stretch for DC. I never really watched the Lois and Clark TV show, but what little bits I saw, I kind of enjoyed and found it charming and sweet. It makes so. sense to me that that was a real DC time. Yeah. Um, do you have time for a few more? Yeah. Great. 
Thomas uh, Franzum wrote us. Mm-hmm. I just started rereading Frank Miller's Daredevil, and I was happy to hear you guys mention it a few oh, times yeah. on what this weekend's episode. Yeah. Do you think you'd ever do a season on that run or part of that run? It's possible. That's definitely a contender. We've talked about it. Yes. I think for sure we will if we go long enough. We'll um, do. That's, we're going to hit some aspect of that. Unrelated, but do you think a C-list Justice League team like JLI could be a good way for the DC film universe to go since their last Justice League movie was so poorly received? Yes. They did well with Shazam, which was kind of lighthearted. I think they do better when they don't take it so seriously, although Joker goes the other way. but Yeah. I think, I mean, if you... If you <laughs> it would separate you from Avengers, too. It would separate you from Avengers. So Avengers is sort of B-list, C-list. They just made them cool. It should work. Those characters should work. Yeah. You should be able to make a good movie with Flash, Green Lantern, Batman, Superman. The fact that they couldn't is weird on them. I don't blame the characters. I would enjoy either version of it. I'm looking forward to the Suicide Squad that James Gunn is doing because yeah, he gets be characters. Um, Robert Christ wrote us and uh, we had made a comment. I had to ask him for clarification because I didn't remember what we had said. But uh, in our fourth, when we discussed issue four, you mentioned, I think, well, discovering major characters through the Justice League is sort of like I learned of Michael Jordan through Space Jam. <laughs> Um, and he says he did learn of Michael Jordan through Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I was seven years old and he went to the movie because it was a uh, Looney Tunes. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, uh, learned who MJ, Larry Bird, and Bill Murray were in the film, along with Barkley and Ewing. Uh, and I think that's very funny. Yeah. Which makes sense. Of course yeah, you would. Of course you did. Um, let's see. I got a couple more. Um. I have a couple emails from Justin Bridge that I'm not going to read about uh, the rogues gallery that we discussed. Uh, we talked about rogues galleries and uh, um, he's making a big pitch for the Flash's rogues gallery being the best. And I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, we talked about Batman and Spider-Man's being better. Yeah. Um, and I still stand by that. But Flash's, I think, is great. Um, Jacob Balcom, I'm sending you a quick text. Will, do you have your phone near you? Yes. All right. Sending you a text right now. Um, Jacob says, I'm loving the season so far and really enjoyed the Gray Man episode. You mentioned the Gray Man had a 70s TV look to him, and I realized that he is the spitting image of 70s TV detective Banachek. He really who I've is. I've never heard of. He to- I've never heard of him, but he totally is. Yes. Played by the wonderful George Peppard. Uh, I've been watching a ton of 70s detective shows during this pandemic, which has been strangely comforting. Now, all I can think is what 70s detective characters each of the JLA members would be. What do you guys think? Obviously, Booster Gold is Jim Rockford, but I'm stumped on the rest. <laughs> I don't uh, know enough 70s detectives. Yeah, I don't I think I John can Jones name. is Kojak or Oberon. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to do this. It's, it Beretta? is such a funny question. I don't even know if I could name that many. I couldn't name seven uh, 70s detectives for yeah. sure. Does Quincy count um, the medical examiner? I don't know. Yeah, TJ Hooker? I mean, I 80s, don't know. that's 80s. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I was five. It's a funny question. So. <laughs> it's a very funny question. We, I, we can't answer it, Jacob. He also enjoys our Stan Lee, uh, when we talk about Stan Lee commenting on Justice League issues, yeah. and I also enjoy that. Yeah, I like us too. Um, and we have one more. Um, uh, Howard Walfish emails, long time, first time, etc. As a lifelong Hulk fan, I loved last season. And even though I've never read Justice League, I'm really enjoying the current season. I was happy to hear you mention the spectacular Spider-Man cart- cartoon, which I agree is terrific. 
I just finished watching Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, which I also thought was fantastic. Are there other superhero cartoons you think are good and not in a campy super friends way? Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. You two panty wastes. Uh, I also love Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I think it is uh, a really, really, really good Avengers cartoon. And it yeah. only ran two seasons and I'm bummed it didn't go longer. I don't know enough to say. Like I know that Batman, you know, the Batman New Adventures was terrific. And I love the Justice League. Anima- the Batman animated Batman series. Batman animated series, yeah. And then the um, Justice League cartoon and then Batman Beyond. But these are all those things that Kevin pointed me towards. Yeah. Uh, the only other one that stands out to me, I would say, is the Justice League uh, universe. Um, Justice League Unlimited, if you haven't watched it, is great. It starts a little slow, um, but it gets so, so, so good. And it has Booster Gold. It has some of these uh, Justice League International characters, but it really is the main Justice League. And it's fantastic. It pulls from a lot of cool stuff. Um the Justice League cartoon that preceded it was okay. Had some good moments and bad moments. When it became unlimited, it became really good. Obviously, Batman and Superman cartoons were fantastic. Batman Beyond was really good. Yeah. I also think there was a cartoon called Batman Brave and the Bold, which came out later on and is a campy Batman. Yeah. It's like a goofy Batman who's like telling people to like look both ways when he crossed the streets. Um, I sort of love it. And I think that's yeah. a good, I don't know where it's, I mean, I guess it's on the DC app probably. Yeah. Um, it is very funny and, but still kind of cool. And it is for sure a Justice League International fan cartoon. Yeah. Guy Gardner is in it. Uh, Blue Beetle is in it, though it's the new Blue Beetle. Booster Gold is in it for sure. John Jones is in it. Uh, the Aquaman in that cartoon is ridiculous and also fantastic. And the closest pre-Jason Momoa to that Aquaman yeah. He's bombastic and ridiculous. Hmm. Um, and I and I watched that cartoon sort of with disdain at first and then sort of loved it. <laughs> so uh, I think that uh, that one's worth watching. But really, Justice League Unlimited is the closest thing to those two uh, Marvel cartoons you're talking about. Uh, and that's our emails, Thank you Will. for emailing us. Um, well, I think that's our episode. Yeah, it is, Will. Um, now, I'm going to have to... Quit the team, and, and uh, <laughs> if you need me for an emergency, I can come back for another podcast. Well, you always but, uh, have a place here I can't, on this podcast. I just can't do an international podcast. <laughs> well, I insist on it. We're going to have embassies in every uh, continent, and uh, we're not going to be just America-centered anymore. Tough luck. You, I know, <laughs> All I right, well, that's it. Like a first guy. All right, let's see what happens next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Screw it, screw it. Just about comics. Hey, this is Betsy Stover. And I'm Amanda Allen. And we do a podcast called Why Mommy Drinks. Each episode we have a guest and we all share a story of a time that our kids drove us to drink. Parenting isn't easy, but it sure can be funny. Listen to us on Campfire Media. Why Mommy Drinks. Campfire.